Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together, each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Hey everyone and welcome to Autumn. You can call through any time now till 10am and you can email us as well gardening at curtainfm.com.au and a big cheers to clever boy Alan Simons for the breakfast program and Alan was supported today by all round superstar Helen Dart. Big shout out to DJ Jim Crinan for the cycling update just now and uh, you can catch the multi-talented Jim uh, next Saturday when he returns at 10 to 8 followed by at 10am he will do the classic 70s for you. Faye Akaro, good morning. Welcome to autumn. Good morning, Ray. And, and it does feel like autumn. There's it a change does. in the in the position of the sun and there are there are signs everywhere. I'd like naturally the temperatures to drop. We've had a no, much nicer week this week. Uh, so I, I'll take that. <laughs> well, we've had some cool nights and some beautiful yeah. crisp mornings and rain, Ray. We had some rain. It was delicious. I walked in it. I got soaked to the skin and I loved it. I, oh, I, as I was saying to you off, off air, I saw people standing under umbrellas and they had their raincoats on and their long sleeves on all wintered up. And I thought, you must be kidding. And myself and my dog, we got soaked to the skin. It was good. Loved oh. it. There was no way I was going to shelter myself from the rain. Well, yeah. you really Not enough did of it. take it literally when someone says, soak it up. I'm soaked it up. You betcha. <laughs> and uh, how has your week been? Oh, I've had a great week. Of course, I've Good. been gearing up for the Fern Society meeting. Yeah. But of course, that's not happening. Off again. What's on again is off again. But I'm still on a roll, Ray. I've been cleaning windows and gutters and raking the garden. I've got a skip bin for the long weekend. Oh, great. I just That's cannot manage idea. all my waste on the property and keep it tidy. So no. it's going in the bin. It'll get recycled <laughs> off-site. And at 20 past eight, we're chatting to Dr. Bob Longmore from Nana as well. Now, what are we talking about with Bob today? Water chestnuts, water gardening, fish. Interesting. Something different. Yeah, exactly. And at five past nine, we're chatting with another Bob, Bob Melville, who is the president of the Rose Society and, of course, has his own beautiful garden that he opened last year. And uh, we're talking about how to grow a show-stopping pot display. Well, when I like thought that. about it, it, it feels like that, Ray, doesn't it? It's bulb time. Yeah. Uh, we got asked last weekend, um, we received an email about potting up some, potting up some pots. Mm. And, you know, in one minute I said, right, go for it, go out and buy things that are suitable for but this time of year, we'll grow in full mm. sun. And yeah. then the next breath, I'm out in the garden thinking, oh, gee, I hope, you know, they're they're managing uh, because we've still got some hot weather coming. But then I thought, you know, when you plant annuals for the right season, uh, you they just love 
the weather. Mm. And I thought, nobody does it better than Bob Melville. Because do you remember Melville's Rose Garden and Cafe? Yeah. Up in the hills. Yeah, it was, he had the, the beautiful pots all around the there. The entrance mm. was just amazing. Mm. And I thought, right, let's go straight to the source <laughs> and help listeners work out what they can do to make a show-stopping entrance. And not to mention, we have three fabulous giveaways today. We chatted last week with Jessica Clark from Tree Rings and she was at the Munda Garden Festival last Sunday and she said a lot of listeners actually came up and said hi. Um, And they were so impressed with the Curtain listeners. She she contacted us during the week and said, I'd love to give away some Tree Rings to your listeners. So for the next five weeks, we have packs to give away. It's a pack of four valued at $50.00. And uh, we'll be giving that away today. Uh, and what we love about these, these, this, it, it, you can break them in half. They're in a ring. You break them in half and put it around your tree to make the ring whole again. And it lasts for up to 12 months. So for the lazy gardener or for those that don't have time or for any gardener, it's just for everybody. And we've used a few ourselves, haven't we? We and have, given yes. them a bit of a trial. We'll be giving those away today. Uh, must be a Curtin FM member, of course, and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. We've also got our $75 Bigger Trees gift voucher to give away. And we've also got fabulous products Biagra and Aquaforce uh, compliments of the Turf Growers Association. Thanking Eva Ritchie for those as well. So three <laughs> lots of fabulous prizes and continuing. I had someone else contact me during the week with some more fabulous prizes going forward. Oh my so goodness. I know I said we've got we I think we've got we're at our quota at the moment. But it's great for the listeners and we like to give it away. But yeah, so uh stay stay tuned for that as well. So our lines are free, 94841927. I know we had so many emails during the week, didn't we? What a busy we, week it's been. We did, yes. Oh, what and, a great week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, do you want me to start on I the I guess emails, so. Right? What, what would you like? It's 10 past eight. You can talk about what Jim Crinan brought in. Mm. Uh, and obviously you've got some plants there for Dean Martin, our fellow colleague, Dean Martin. Uh, sitting on the desk and you've brought in some more show and tell or? I did because I was out in my garden this week. We'll start with the show and tell. Um, So there's things in the garden, Ray, that sometimes fly under the radar. Sure. And one of the things that is putting on a show at the moment is a serapegia. Now, it's... Probably not what something we've no. talked about before. Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you it asked. It is yeah. from the family that the chain of hearts was in. Oh, yeah. So, you know, oh, yeah. how common are these? Like, yeah, a lot of people have them. They grow easily from a, a cutting. Uh, they're a succulent and they have a little, the back of the leaf is burgundy in colour and mm. the front is a pattern grey and green. And they so, grow often in baskets. You see them and they grow very long. Yes. Yeah. And tough and hardy plants. So a lot of people would have that in their garden. A great one to share with friends and just strikes easily. So a great mm. one to learn about propagation from. Now, the same family, it's a pocanaceae. It's also the family that the French panties are in. Now, this one I had in a hanging basket. It is also known as parachute plant or condom plant, 
because of the flower. Oh my goodness! And this I'm flower, I can see something now. Come to come to think of it, oh, and and hold it up because I can see Bev out there trying to listen. <laughs> Poor thing. Oh no, she's gone back well, to the phones. That's it. She was trying to see what you had. This is just a small flower, and this is about three centimeters long. But does that open up? It does. Oh, thank and goodness I've got for that. The most stunning photos at home oh. uh, on my phone. It's white, it looks a bit like a parachute, the top is green, it's ribbed, and it does open up like a cage almost. It's just so unique. So these are plants mm. that I think have flown under the radar. I'm not going to talk about them a lot today, but I just wanted people to, to be aware of them and to start thinking about them. So we can probably talk about them more in depth in a in a week or so. And so they grow with the chain of hearts. Oh, well, separate. The If you've got a chain of hearts, go and have a look closely and see if it's flowering. The flower is quite small. So unless you were looking for it, you probably wouldn't Notice see it. it. Mm. But the shape of the flower is, is very interesting. interesting. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that's very interesting. And it's perfect okay. for a hanging basket, uh, fleshy stems. They're just straight not very exciting and a a plant that's a bit awkward you know i went off them because they just were a bit rangy they they hang out and then they climb up themselves and, and just you know they're hard, hard. to control mm, and mm. i do like a bit of control in my garden mm-hmm. okay but yeah look out for these plants all right we're in byford we're chatting with joy this morning how are you good thank you how are you ladies good thanks well, joy thank you. Now, what are the signs and symptoms, how about that, of the chili threat? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, Joy, because I have examples here. I was handed a couple of uh, samples to me last night in a plastic bag at the footy club because Robert in Fremantle is also having trouble. And Jim Crinan this morning has brought me in very yeah. similar uh, cuttings. Now, what I have here are about 12 inches or 30 centimetres long. Beautiful new growth, strong, mm-hmm. reddish, and the leaves are extremely distorted, shrunken, malformed, twisted, bent. And, the, and their it. growth is very soft, isn't it? It's not strong. No, you yeah, have the field stems. The stems are very bendy. But this mm. is like, when you get those new water shoots, mm. they're quite they're quite similar. Mm. So chili thrips love fresh new growth. That's where they like to live, and they like a dry environment. So other than the rain that we had one day this week, the the climate is hot and dry. So, you know, we've heard a lot about different things that you can spray. I tend to think you'd be fighting a never-ending battle if you're going to try that. Mind you, I'm not supplying roses to show standard. So I would recommend not going in and cutting your roses back hard because what you will be doing is encouraging some new growth. growth. So Mm. if they're there and you've got those signs, just hold back. Stop looking at them almost. Just leave them. But head out there once or twice a day in the middle of the day and spray over and under the leaves with water. Ray, you've had reasonable success doing this, haven't you? I have. I have. Yeah. I've had good so success. You're not mm. going you're probably not going to lose your roses. 
let's just kind of tread water. Don't expect too much from your roses now. Remembering that when you do cut them back, you have about six weeks before you get that new flush. So I think look at your calendar. If you've got visitors coming or an event planned, you know, six or eight weeks time, that's the time you can think about cutting them back and then keep up the watering during the day. You don't okay. want to encourage a lot of fresh, weak new growth. So hold back a bit on the fertiliser as well. Okay. And do the buds, are the buds black? Uh, black. Yeah, they, they, can. they can be. Yeah. So yeah, darn. Yeah, darn, Joey. So yeah. the thrips are tiny. They have a, a quick turnaround life cycle, the hotter the weather. Mm. So Are they little, are they as tiny, tiny? They are, mm. yes. So the only way you would probably see them is either with a magnifying, magnifying glass, glass or a piece of white paper where you can flick them on, yeah, and they're tiny. You can see something running across the paper. Now, if you're taking a sample to anyone, anywhere, please plastic bag and seal it. Okay. Okay. Oh, darn. Yeah. I, I was putting it down to the heat. How many yeah. roses are infected, Joy? Oh, not all of them. None of my back ones, luckily. It's all my front ones. They, they would... Not all of them, but probably half, which would be maybe eight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's there's quite a few, yeah. and I I mean I'm a great waterer, so I'm surprised really. I mean I'm huge on water mm. with them. You so you I do a lot anyway. of watering over and under the leaves. Well, I just, I put the sprinklers on, and then even the nights that I don't have sprinkler nights, I hand water. But I sprayed them the other night because I did hear that somebody said they don't like water to, you know, put water on them. So that's what I'll keep doing now. Just yeah, Joy. To hell with me water, Bill. I mean, I'd rather have me roses. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, getting out there in the middle of the day when it's hottest mm -hmm. yeah. and, and giving them a spritz, which is, you know, in, in the and temperatures. And do it under the leaves as well. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm I'm a big fan of companion planting. So having a lot of little plants around, even something, if you've got a border of parsley that goes and flowers and sets seed, that provides a habitat for your good bugs. Mm. And I've got a border of salvias actually. Oh, well, that's excellent. They and do. I've also yeah. got gerberas in the garden with the roses. But, yeah, I've got a border of um, vincas and purple and red salvias. Oh, lovely. Uh, marigolds are another one because uh, thrips are attracted to yellow. Oh, okay. So, yes, employing okay, all I those. do that. Yep. Well Thank done. you so much. You're Good welcome. luck, Joy. Yep. Enjoy your F day. Feel Thanks. your pain. Thanks, love. Okay, cheers oh, for that. You. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All right, we are going to a break. We will be chatting uh, with Peggy uh, in North Dandelop about frangipani and the mandarin tree. There is a truck rollover on Albany Highway southbound at Brookton Highway in Kelmscott. So a truck rollover, Albany Highway southbound at Brookton Highway in Kelmscott and various lanes are, are closed. Oh, thank you, Bev. And traffic management and towing services are on site where you are asked to drive with caution. Welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. We're straight out to North Dandelup. Peggy, good morning and thanks for waiting. 
Oh, good morning. Who am I talking to? You is Ray and Faye. Okay, good morning. Uh, yes, my problem is I've got a big, huge pot of about five uh, trees or five stems of French penny. The leaves are healthy except for a few that turn yellow and they fall off. But I don't. I have not got any blooms from the French penny. Mm. They, There's a the, lot of that at the moment. Yes, for uh, many people, they're quite late this year. Yeah, might have just started. We had a very long, cold, wet winter, mm. and that sort of slowed things down. And yes, uh, we are now starting to get reports of buds forming. And in fact, same, on one of yeah, my plants, same, the buds yeah. started forming. So it might still be coming, Peggy. Uh, okay. I was just wondering whether because there's about five stems or five tr plants in one pot, whether that was too many in one pot, whether I should take some out and replant them somewhere else? Well, did you grow them from cuttings? Yes. From cuttings. And how old are the plants? Ah, they'd be almost um, two years. Okay, all right. So two, two years. Yeah. I think probably they would do better on their own, but yeah. mm, when's the best time to do it? You you certainly could do it now. You probably would risk the chance of getting any flowers this year if you did yeah. divide them now, though. Oh, okay, right. Mm. And why are the leaves going? Sort of, do pennies need a lot of watering? Uh, yes and no. Depending on how, how good their root structure is, you need to be careful about the risk of overwatering. So your soil is very important. You need to have good drainage. I mean, often in our climate, it's very hard to overwater something. But if if you've got new plants and they don't have a lot of roots, you can overwater them and they rot. And yeah. plants with yellow leaves, well, a lot of plants will drop their older leaves. But... Yeah. Um, make sure they're not too wet. Make sure there's good drainage. If they haven't been repotted and there's five in the pot, they could well do with dividing and, and potting on. And that would okay. give you the opportunity to view the roots and give them some good quality potting mix so that they're going forward and growing well now before we hit the cold, wet weather. And you don't want oh. to interfere with them then. All right, that's good, thank you. And now my mandarin tree. That mandarin tree has been there for, I think, the last three years. It has flowered, but the flowers don't, they just fall off. They don't turn into fruit. I've not had one fruit off my mandarin tree. It's about a meter tall, and uh, it's been in the ground for about three years. Okay, and so... Three to five years for for fruiting, you really need to get your tree well established first. So it sounds quite small and it's probably not up to supporting a lot of fruit. So work on your ground. So um, products that improve your soil, things like palletized chicken manure, compost clay, a good layer of mulch. Make sure the soil is taking in moisture. So are you very sandy there or do you have a clay soil? Uh, sandy soil, very okay. sandy soil. All right. So adding compost and clay will help. A good layer of mulch and keeping 
the the water and fertilizer up to it. Ah, okay. And the same with the mango tree. The mango tree hasn't grown. It's as I said, the same age as the mango. I was given a mango tree as a gift. I put it down. It's produced a few leaves, but it hasn't grown any right. taller. It sounds like you really need to work on your soil and soil. feeding your plants because okay. you will only get good crops of fruit if your trees are strong and healthy and growing well. So okay. the best chance you can get is when you actually plant a tree. Yes. And I remember Norm Patterson from the Palm Society, when you asked about how do you improve the soil or plant a tree, he said, dig a hole as big as you can, a bigger hole. And, you know, when I asked for more information, a bigger hole and you fill it with all the good stuff the bigger the hole, the better it's improved, yeah. you, your trees will rocket away. If you skimp on digging a small hole and not putting much in it, well, you, you will struggle for years. Yeah. Yes, that's what I do when I put a new plant in. I dig, I dig a big hole. I put in a lot of uh, fertilizer, uh, granule fertilizer, a lot of water in the hole. Then I put the plant in and I cover it up let it rest for about a week, and then I start sort of, you know, building up on the fertilizer around it. And I've used the citrus granule fertilizer, but uh, it's produced new leaves, but it hasn't grown. It's just just, uh, just a little tiny tree, as I'll say. Okay. I, I think you can probably do more to boost the soil. Yep. I will, yep. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Peggy. Yeah, that's great advice. Cheers. All right. Bye. Bye. Now, we are going to have a chat with Dr. Bob. Whilst we do that, uh, I think we'll give away our tree rings, uh, compliments of tr Jessica Clark. Uh, you would have to collect this prize, actually. You would have to. It's not something that we could put into the mail. And they are located in Hazelmere. So you would have to collect this prize from their premises in Hazelmere. So that would be in condition of entering. Okay, and they are located in Midland Road, Hazelmere. Now, let me just tell you quickly, tree rings are compact fertilizer rings made from repurposed materials and they provide precision fertilizer placement, optimizing the nutrition of trees and plants to enhance their growth and stimulate fruit or flowering. You simply snap a tree ring in half, place at the base of your plant or tree, and you've fertilised it for 12 months. Breaks down naturally into the soil and improves the quality of the soil as it does. You can find out more at treerings.com.au. Okay, so keep that in mind. You would have to collect at their premises in Hazelmere, Midland Road, Hazelmere. It must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Give Bev a call now, third call through is the winner give Bebba a call on 94841927 Dr Bob good morning you're with Ray and Faye thanks for waiting yes I am um, uh, a great pleasure to be with you again yeah yeah we've missed you lovely to talk oh, to you Bob what's yeah. happening in Nanup yes oh well it's a course under the open which caused a little bit of a, let's say, a little bit of a shiver through the town because uh, we're wondering what's going to happen. The uh, music festival was cancelled, sadly, because of various logistics and things. 
But there are things going on in town. We've got a couple of events being staged by our local brewery and the hotel. And uh, uh, basically, yes, we're expecting quite a few visitors coming down to the southwest. I think it'll be a mask situation in many occasions. But uh, we'll just have to see how it goes. The town is was looking very lively last night. Ah. Um, well, I was at an opening for a small art exhibition, which we have. And um, uh, it looked like a lot of vehicles coming through. And I have heard that people are still doing their accommodation. Everything's still going to honour their uh, commitments. So everything's looking good. Very good. Well, with our newest restrictions, I just have this feeling that people are going to be getting into their gardens a little bit more again. A lot of events around Perth have been sort of cancelled and postponed. So let's get back to gardening. What's happening at your place? Well, I was going to just say gardening is an escape. Uh, but it's yeah. all, I keep saying, in, uh, I write a small article for our local newspaper, and I keep saying that it improves your physical and mental health. Yeah. Uh, it does. And uh, lots of people say that even weeding benefits, are, yeah. I, uh, uh, I think, is very good. In our place, yes, it's, um, we kind of keep on top of things. I'm doing quite a few changes at the moment. The funniest thing is, uh, I said today, uh, I said to you, well, let's talk a bit about water gardening. And I'm in the process of getting rid of two of my water ponds. Oh. Uh, well, I've got, I've got an awful lot of installations. I've always had ponds for fish, you know, particularly goldfish, uh, even in the UK when we live there. So um, we still have a few. We have some in the uh, veggie garden and we have some in the orchard. So it's one of those things. Then in July 2020, which, as you recall, was the start of the COVID problem, the pandemic, um, we made a major decision to have this magnificent natural freshwater swimming pool put in. It's a, it's a pond, technically, because there's no chemicals involved. Mm. And, um, it's fairly large. It's basically a, a rock-lined 7-by-5-metre pool, 1.8 metres deep, and it's got a wetlands filter and a waterfall, and it's running continuously every day. So when I get up in the morning, go out to the kitchen to put the kettle on, I can see the waterfall and uh, just sort of view that. It was uh, it was put in by Tony Green and his Think Green team. Uh, absolutely superb job done, and it's a it's a marvelous feature in the garden now. Oh, you! I would loved, love it. Mm. You've loved every minute of of it, haven't you, Bob? And made good use of it too. Yes, we went in, uh, in there trying to swim most days. I mean, sometimes it's a bit cool. We think, oh, should we? Um, it's interesting that the rocks which line there, it's a, it's a lined pool. Uh, obviously, it's been dug and it's got uh, geotech liners and uh, a, a plastic liner as well, a rubber liner. Um, but it's lined with very big local rocks. And I think the rocks act as a bit of a a heat conductor. On warm days, they warm up. You can distinctly feel them. But the, uh, yeah, the water's great. And we've got the um, goldfish, 14 large ones. This is with the permission of the boss, Maggie. Uh, And uh, when you go swimming, you've got these big goldfish. They don't get frightened at all. They come very near to you. And people say, oh, do they come and sort of, tickle your skin and all that sort of thing? Well, the answer is generally no. 
But uh, the larva, the, the small fish the fry used to, but one of the additions I also made was to uh, put one red fin perch in, which tends to be uh, lurking beneath the shoal, and its job is to pick up any extra fry. Uh, it sounds sad by nature in the role, but that's the way I organised it. And, um, I've also got some other fish called white cloud mountain minnows. It's a fish I've always recommended for small ponds. It's a Chinese water fish. Obviously, we don't want them in the natural river systems, but in, in enclosed ponds, they're, they're very useful. So when you're swimming now, we have a little shoal of those, a dozen or so come up to you and uh, swim round. Huh, gorgeous. So how do you keep it, I don't know, uh, healthy for people to swim in? How do you keep it? On that level? Yes, it's a bore water pool so that uh, it does have a connection to a bore system. So when we uh, have the bore on for other purposes, if there's been a water level requirement, it, it just re-comes re in, it fills in. Uh, it is fresh water. Uh, it's really basically a filter system, physical and biological. So you're adding beneficial bacteria uh, which are sort of harmless to humans, but which actually keep things under control. They probably degrade, decompose quite a bit of additional stuff. We do get. Oh, Bob, uh, I think uh, we're lo you're cutting in and out a bit. My apologies. I'm probably moving ahead of it. Can you hear me better now? Yes, yes much better. You need to stand still for just a few moments for us, please. I, I, I'm sitting still. I've just lifted the phone up to my mouth. Oh, that's much better. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and we added shells. I, I, I've added uh, oyster shells. I love oysters, quite frankly. So do I. Uh, so the extra shells go into the uh, filter area uh, to add a bit of calcium. Ooh. And... Uh, when they first installed the pool, they planted some uh, water plants, you know, water milfoil, phalia, water fringe. And later on, we've put lot, uh, a few canners in to the areas. Water hibiscus, which is now about two metres tall. I send you a photograph of that. Um, there's blue moneywort. There's uh, club rush on the side, society garlic. That's oh, my goodness. Kangaroo paused behind this very big log. When they came to install the pond, the, the, within within a day, uh, Noel comes up to me and says, um, oh, can we have this log, please? And this, <laughs> it's about uh, 30 foot of uh, oh. big natural log we had on the property. So... Uh, it acted with a seating area as well. It's very, very nice. The whole structure is absolutely beautiful. It is fenced because our Shire regulations require fencing. Yeah. But uh, it's, a, it's an everywhere. Every so in actual fact, it tends to be a lower, lower visibility than uh, some of the fences you might imagine. Um, mm. The basic idea is obviously to stop kids getting in. It's got yeah. two lockable gates. Uh, but it's been a fantastic feature. The other thing I, I keep telling people, it's an ecological feature. Yeah. When you're in, mm. you get buzzed by dragonflies and by damselflies. And uh, if, there's a, if there's a white ant hatch, for example, on a very hot day, the, the fish go mad trying to get these uh, white ants falling on the surface. We have uh, frogs calling on occasion. And um, we've not had any trouble from very large birds. We've seen a heron recently, but it's, the water's too deep for the heron. To and, go fishing, um, to go fishing. 
That's right. Yeah, yeah. Why would you have a pool when you can have this, Bob? My goodness. Why would you have a pool when you can have what you've got? And the thing is, it's not a chlorine or salt water pool. It's fresh water. Yeah, I love that. It is. The temperature. Yeah, the the temperature does rise up to about 26. Mm. We've had it up to 27 degrees on a very hot day. But uh, it's coolish in the winter, obviously. But uh, very bracing. And, yeah, uh, I love that. It's been a fantastic feature. The other thing I was I just mentioned here, um, interestingly, uh, and a, a bit of curiosity for people, is the fact that uh, some of the water plants act as a platform for bees. So you get your honeybees coming down, and you get your paper wasps coming down, but they keep out the road, they, you know. Uh, mm. They need water in the summer, and quite often you see hints in gardening columns about putting on a water bath with yeah. pebbles and that. But we find that when you're in uh, in that pond, there are quite a few on a hot day, especially uh, paper wasps and bees taking their liquid. They don't sort of try and buzz you at all. They just carry on with their business. So it's, it's very good from that sort of point of view. Now, Bob, and can I just ask, you've sent through some photos to me this morning. There's one of Maggie in your pool with the fish. Is that yeah. okay to share on the Curtain Facebook page? Just hold on, Maggie. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay. All right, it's done. It's under today's post about today's show on the Curtain Radio Facebook page. Fantastic. So photos awesome. that you've sent. There was a photograph of our son uh, swimming there at night. Uh, uh, it's got lights on, which I can put on at night uh, if you want to do a night oh, swim. Yeah. No, it's my kind of thing. Yeah. It was an investment. It was an alternative to an overseas holiday, which yeah. we couldn't uh, Yes, it was expensive. Yes, it was uh, one of the very good investments we've made. Yeah. It's made a marvellous feature in the place. And it, it sort of pursues my love of fish and gardening. Yeah. And I actually caught all those fish originally. Uh, in some of the local pools in our area. Mm. Um, it's one of my uh, pastimes. I like fishing for goldfish, quite frankly. Mm. And, uh, it's just one of those things. The other thing I was going to mention just briefly, I I think I put it in that note to you. Um, you, you know, water gardening is superb. In many, there's many containers you can use for water gardens. I've also got uh, water chestnuts growing in one of those plastic sandpit shells. And um, they do very, very well. I can always harvest a few if necessary. I don't tend to. I'm I'm very lazy. Oh, I uh, know that they're very fiddly to process, having done it myself. But, yes, a nice addition. It's good to have lots of biodiversity, isn't it? And then you appreciate what you get in the tins. (laughs) (laughs) How much effort's gone into getting them in the tin. Absolutely, yes. Okay. Well, I think the whole uh, the whole pursuit these days is uh, no spray, organic gardening, lots of, uh, and we are we are on a sand soil, so it's a hard work trying to get the fertilities up. Mm. But uh, we try and encourage insects and birds as much as we can. We we certainly have lots of uh, small birds around. I've actually got a small parade of uh, blue wrens which come to see me when I'm reading outside. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's you're in heaven, Bob. You're in heaven. <laughs> well, not just yet. <laughs> well, no. our, our version of heaven down here on heaven earth. on earth. Yeah, heaven on earth. And, I want a few more years yet. Uh, uh, yes, we all do. I mean, um, Shane Warne was a shock, wasn't he? 
Oh, 52 years old. I mean, yeah, Rod Marsh was, what, 74? Yeah, that's too young as well. Yeah. But Jen Warren, 20, 52, is it? 52? Yeah, yeah, just 52. Just crazy. Right. Right. I know, I know. So, yeah, we... Uh, it's 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 what's uh, what am I trying to say? It's an honour to grow old. Well, we well, many is, of us um, have a lot to be grateful for, and and our surroundings and, and what we have. Yes, with all the things going on in the world, honoured. we are so lucky. Mm-hmm. And Bob, tell me, the Nanup Festival is that happening in August this year? Yeah, yes, so far. Uh, Maggie's very very busy. Maggie is the chair again yeah. this year. Uh, she's got a very good committee team organising. Uh, Things haven't totally uh, cemented yet, but we've got a lot of plans going on. And, uh, yes, there's lots of organisation. So far, so good. The third weekend in August is a kickoff. Two weeks? The 13th of August is the kickoff, Maggie. The 28th. 13th to the 28th of August. It's looking very bright. Uh, They're trying very hard to, uh, to produce a very good festival. And it will be good. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good. It's a lovely yes. place to visit. Well, we is. will talk more to you about that in, in coming weeks for sure. Yes, yes. Thank Feel you. Free, Thank you for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Can I, also, can I also ask you just to give a hello to Bob Melville? I, I believe he's on the show today. Yes. Um, yep. Bob and I are old mates from a long time ago. We've oh, got a two-Bob show today. <laughs> two-Bob show. Yeah. <laughs> And thank you for your Bob's worth. We appreciate it. <laughs> Fine. Take care, Bye. guys. Thank you. Lovely people. Love listening to Absolutely. him. So enthusiastic. Back soon. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. And we do have a winner for our tree wings, Jeannie from Beachborough. Congratulations, Jeannie. We'll be in touch with you. Uh, thank you for playing. And don't forget, we've got two more fabulous competitions to go uh, in the program up till 10am this morning. And Faye, what do you got there? Oh, more emails coming in, Ray. We, As we... we really need to address these <laughs> oh, yes, and not be do. distracted by the plants on the desk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paula sent in amazing photo of her Serapegia, which is the same as mine. Yeah. Now, I have under today's Facebook post on the Curtain Facebook page put photos so people can of, see of the Serapegia as well as um, Bob's chat. Yeah, yeah. And... It is an unusual thing. I've never seen it before. I'm not sure whether I like it's, it or not. Well, it's, I'm not sure. It's something. It's a yeah. You either do or you it's don't. Nice. It's yeah. unusual, right? It's very yes. unusual. Noise, yeah. noise. Now Paula has sent us in a couple of emails. The first one: Can you please tell me when the time is to plant garlic, and can they be planted in pots? Now is the time, certainly, to get ready to plant garlic. It's March. Yes. And don't wait till they start shooting in your cupboard. Get them in the ground, and when they're ready, they will go and not lose any of their condition. When we actually talked to Bob Melville, I imagine that if you're going to plant garlic in pots, get a bigger-than-usual pot so they've got plenty of room to move. Mm. But you you certainly can grow them in pots, and you could grow them... In the same way that Bob's going to talk to us about the the annual colour and growing bulbs for a showstopper, mm. and and some of the garlic have really beautiful flowers, mm. so mm. they could be done as a display as well. I'm as thinking. Well. Yeah, good and idea. Her her second email was 
read Bob's comment that the fish shouldn't be in our waterway, then they shouldn't be encouraged in ponds in Australia. People often do dump fish in the waterway when they get tired of them. And, and this is a mistake. Not everybody knows and understands how wrong that is to do. Yeah, correct. And so we're here to educate people. If you have a, a small aquarium or fish bowl and you don't want your fish anymore, either take it back to a pet shop or dispose of it. Don't flush it down the toilet because mm. we don't know where it will end up. And don't dump it in your local lakes and waterways because some of these fish can turn into environmental problems. Mm. We've seen photos of the year, over the years of very large carp that were just goldfish mm. in a bowl in, in someone's home. There are regulations put out by fisheries department about fish and I would suggest if people do want more information, that is the place to go to get more information Knowledge. and up-to-date mm. information. You can't just no. catch fish out of waterways and relocate it to your pond. There are strict regulations about, about that. that. So please be aware of that and do the right thing. Yeah, well said. All right. Oop, uh, we did have a call and it's disappeared. Okay, we can squeeze in one more email if you like. Okie doke. Uh, this, this is something that's happening around Perth at the moment. This is from Manny. And these beautiful mushrooms recently emerged on our overgrown lawn and look beautiful. And are they edible? Uh, uh, no. no. Big answer, no. If you have to ask, no. <laughs> definitely yeah. not. John mm. would say in answer to this, oh, yes, all mushrooms are edible. Some, only once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so use your imagination yes. as to the outcome. I have shared mm. an article on the actual Let's Talk Gardening Facebook page mm. about a recent case of mushrooms very similar to this where a man thought they look pretty good. They He did a couple of tests and licked them. Oh. They tasted okay. And then he became very unwell very quickly. And, and was this recently? Yes, very Where recently. Where was this? Where was Sydney. This? In Sydney. Um, and he was lucky to get out of hospital with his liver and kidney attached. Absolutely. It is a horrendous... Um, yeah, just don't do it. Just do horrendous conditions mm. if you partake of mushrooms that are not edible. And I think there was a message in that article, if they were grown near an oak tree... A definite no. Mm. So anyway, don't don't eat things unless you've grown them yourself. It yeah, is simply not worth the risk. Absolutely not. No, mm. well said. All right, we'll be back in a moment. And we're back again. <laughs> we were talking about mushroom recipes off air, actually. We have some, John was in here, we do have some interesting conversations, don't we? Nine o'clock news will be coming up shortly. Okay, 94841927. Well, it probably just about is time to grow mushrooms. And if you keep a look at it, your nurseries and hardware stores, you may find the kits available. Yeah. And then when you grow them at home, yeah, John you know. was saying he did a... a Beautiful recipe with uh, spicy beans in it, and he said it was delicious. My favourite 
or one of my favourites. This favorites. sounds very good, what oh. you were talking well, about. Well, I just love them fried in butter and of salt course. and pepper and yeah. then on toast with more butter. <laughs> but I use chicken thigh fillets cut up because I find them quite tender and then I marinate them or dust them with some curry powder and soy sauce and let that sit and then I prepare a head of broccoli and a handful of or two or three handfuls of mushrooms and I fry the chicken up in a pan then I add the mushrooms and the broccoli and I pour a can of coconut milk over mm. and put the lid on when it goes bright green, it's done, and I serve it on rice. So it's, it's just, soupy, and oh, it's just yum. It's just delicious, right? Wow, and it's easy. Easy. I buy the big packs of chicken. Yeah, and um, they go a long way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> making making me hungry. All right, coming up at five past nine, we are speaking to Bob Melville, talking about uh, pot displays. And, of course, you know, coming up to bulb time. You've got some bulbs just recently, haven't you? I have. They're sitting in the cupboard. I actually have Uh potted up the ones that I already had from last year. Yeah. I took them out of their old mix and put them Mm. into new Mm. mix and they're just sitting there getting an occasional water. Yeah. But things are starting to move in the garden, like there's a change. And the weeds are coming as I rake off the gum leaves, like the winter grass is popping up. So I've got to get layers of mulch back down. Yeah. Oh, it's a (laughs) never-ending. Shuffle, shuffle. A labour of love is gardening. All right, Mm. let's go to Middle Swan. Maria, good morning. Yes, good morning, Faye and Ray. Um, I I have a small apricot tree in a pot. Well, it's quite large, actually, not small. And um, last year I got two fruits out of it. (laughs) Now, I wanted to prune it back um, because I want it to keep a little ball shape. Okay. Um, So when there's time to prune it, I will get some fruit. I would say in the next, um, over March would be a good time. You, You could do it now. It's summer pruning is advantageous because when you prune at this time of year and and not everything should be pruned at this time of year like don't do citrus while it's hot but for your apricots this is the best time in the winter when they're cut during wet weather they can be very prone to fungal diseases so now is a perfect time and the benefit of summer pruning is you won't get that rampant growth when you do prune in winter and the plant shoots away, you get prolific growth. So now is a great time to do that, Maria. Okay, I'll do that then. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Maria. Cheers for that. Bye-bye. So just leading into the news, what plans do you have for your garden this year? I, uh, I have so many projects yeah. in my head. It's yeah. just time for me. I, I do too. And I started, Ray, because we've got the wedding in November yeah, and, this is your daughter's wedding. Yes, yeah, and fantastic. we're going to have a marquee on the front lawn. So yeah. the lawn is key. I yeah. think I have to widen it a bit because I've got edges going in and out and I think I need a little bit more room in, in one area. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the lawn right now. We're planning to aerate in the next couple of weeks mm. and then give it a light top dressing to even out the divots and get something uh, that's a bit more water and nutrient holding down into the open spaces. Mm. Uh, we'll treat it with a with wedding agents. Aqua, Aquaforce and Biagra. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it has, it 
just had a fertilise last week because I needed to kick it off mm. for the Fern Society on Sunday, which is now not happening. Mm. But I mowed it yesterday. It's looking green. It's not too shabby. Uh, I'm trialling three or four different lawn species by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we just live with it because it's a pretty rough and ready lawn, but a good space for entertaining. Then I need to... Uh, work out what I'm going to top up in the garden next to it. Like, what do I want to be looking at? So I was wondering yesterday, and I'm thinking glossy green leaves. It's under the canopy of the gum tree. Uh, How can I work with the soil, the sprinklers going forward? What look do I want? And I've got some alerias there that I've been struggling with. They're probably 15 years old. And really, they're past their use-by date. Yeah. So they're going to be hoiked out this weekend yeah. and they'll go in the skip bin. Yeah. And then I will look at what is really doing well. I I don't know. I need. Um, I almost need the help of a designer because I don't think I'm at that level mm. or if I could see pictures that work. I mean, mm. it's, it's all about the wedding. Mm. Um so, well, yeah. it gives you it gives you a goal and a focus. You see, so we well, it does, and so, it, it gives you something to work towards, and it it motivates you. And yeah, I want my plants to be healthy. So mm. every time I I get with another group, like I've just repotted all the stapeliads, the fern society were coming, so I've pulled out all my ferns. Mm. They're all getting a makeover. Uh, I've done up new fern baskets. So John helped me with some potting mix. Uh, so I'm blitzing my ferns, then I'll be on to the begonias and, you know, I'm working through my groups of plants and I would like to invite the different garden groups like I did with the Ripsalis last year and just, you know, hone up on, on the names so that one day when we have an open garden, mm. all my plants are named. Yeah, uh, I like that. I've, yeah. I've I... got lots of varieties and mm. some of the palms and cycads, you can't get now. Yeah. Like I realise the value of these plants in my garden. Yeah. It'll all get a spritz, but it it will be more towards being more sustainable. Once again, you know, keeping in mind water wise mm. and how I can manage it without breaking my back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> most important. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, love it. And uh, yeah, I feel the same. I feel that there's there's going to be changes in my garden and some things are past their use by date or Mm. we evolve and I look at things and I apologise to people in advance maybe who've given me things and it might disappear because if it doesn't bring me joy, you know, I'm going through that at the moment. I'm thinking, nah, sometimes we maintain plants just because they're there. Yes. And I don't know. I'm just in a bit of a... Want to make some changes this year? So oh, exciting! I, sh- I shall all for us all. Okay, nine o'clock news. Sunny today with a maximum of thirty-two. Right now, twenty-one point seven degrees. And Sunday it will be sunny again with a maximum of thirty-four, and a maximum of thirty-four on Monday as well. Obviously sunny. And looking ahead for the rest of the week. Uh, sunny, sunny, sunny. Okay, with maximums, we are jumping up to around 37 come Thursday. Let's hope it doesn't quite get there, but uh, a very sunny week ahead of us. So autumn is here, but, you know, March is one of those months, isn't it, where you can get some very hot days. April too. Okay, let's go to Bedford. Jan, good morning. Hi, Jan. Oh, Hello. <laughs> Um, I've got a problem with my syngonium. Oh, that's not oh. good. No. Um, 
it was looking very droopy. And last weekend, I took all the plants out to give them some sea song. And I noticed all these tiny little black or brown spots on the, the stem of the leaves. I scraped them off and I cut off all the drooping leaves and the, the new leaves seem to be okay. I'm just wondering what the little black spots were or brown spots. Well, if if they flicked off and if you squashed them between your fingers and, and juice came out, then they're possibly a scale insect? Very, very tiny, even smaller than a pinhead. Very tiny. But I scraped them off with my with my nail. Okay. It, yeah, I, I've seen some that looks almost like fly specks. I was going to say, not insect dirt or something. No, you know. I, I'm not really sure. I'd, I'd love to see a picture to be sure, but mm. regardless of that, syngoniums are pretty tough plants. Mm. Um, yes. It would yes. initially do better outside under a patio where it gets filtered light rather than inside. And, mm. and letting the soil dry up a bit if it's too wet. Um, and you can take cuttings and they will root in water or they'll right. easily root in, in potting mix as well. That way you can, like, save the plant and put or make new plants into fresh, new, disease-free potting mix. Potting that- it, yeah. I was thinking about uh, repotting it anyway, but... Uh, yeah, I was just wondering uh, if it was a, a spider mart or something. I don't, I don't know. You would see webbing, I think, if it was a spider no. mite. Um, no. What, what you probably should do if you can't send us a photo is put a sample no. into a plastic bag and take it to your local garden centre and right. see if a, a horticulturalist can identify what it is. Right. Then, then we know what we're dealing with. Yes. Right, that's a good idea. Yeah, I want mm. to go to a nursery. <laughs> <laughs> Permission granted. granted. Yeah, I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I think I've got them all off. I couldn't see any more. And I just then there is some new growth, so that's a good sign, I guess. Mm. Yes. It is. Yeah. And if the plant's droopy, though, it makes me think that maybe the the potting mix is too wet. And actually, on that topic, there are a lot of plants being sold at the moment that are in a coir or peat mix and yeah. they stay very wet. They're grown wet. in hothouses. So for a lot of people, you get these plants home and you put it indoors and it looks good initially, but it may not survive that well long term. What many of us do is get home and repot those plants as quickly as we can before we go and buy New plants is a good rule, but it's a right. bit hard to stick to. <laughs> yes. yes, I thought it might need repotting. So mm. I'll give it a go. Okay. okay. Thanks, good. Jen. Thanks. Thanks for your information. Cheers Bye-bye. for that. Bye-bye. Yes, interesting problem. And I notice there's little moths about at the moment, mm. and I've seen them in the house as well and outside, and I thought, oh, you're trouble. I know you are. Well, and it it could be that. It could be the the waste from a caterpillar. That's what I'm the, thinking. But could be dirt. they sound too small. Yeah, okay. Mm. All right, as promised, we have Bob Melville online. Bob is currently the president of the Rose Society in WA. Hey, Bob, with Ray and Faye, how are you? 
Morning, Ray and Faye. <laughs> Good morning. May I say you did a wonderful job last year when you opened your garden. I loved uh, wandering around your property. It was beautiful. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, really, really lovely. You did well. And I think you had massive turnout from memory too. We did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah was I, was, I was happy with that. Will you be doing it again this year? Hopefully. Oh, good. Yeah. Good to hear. Well, our, our garden club was supposed to come in a couple of weeks, Bob, but that's yeah. been cancelled now. Has it? Mm. Oops. <laughs> Well, I think it's to do with having the numbers. It's it's a private premise, and it's you can't only have ten people. Is it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you can have fifty people in a open area like a park, and you can have thirty five people on a bus tour. Good grief! Mine's an, mine's an open park. Yeah, it really mm. is, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, exactly it? right. I, I, I agree. I'm not sure if there might be ways of finding out more. You know, depending on the circumstances, yeah. if we can get permission to do things differently based on open space etc but i don't i don't know we all have to play safe and garden don't we well on the 25th of this month i've got a movie uh, through the city of calamanda oh yeah 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 you've done that before so mm. i don't know what uh, happened there 500 mm. 500 mm. are allowed to come so i'm not sure what's going on no but, it's all yeah. very confusing to keep, up, to keep up, to keep up, exhausting. <laughs> so, Bob, we've got you here today because I've told everyone what a magnificent display you are capable of creating uh, in bulbs and annual pots, etc. You are the man to impart your knowledge of how people can make a show-stopping entrance feature. Thanks, Faye. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, re I really enjoy. Um, having a challenge so the yeah. challenge was years ago um feeding annuals and and having high maintenance um my my aim in life is to have low maintenance more fun in the garden not be traumatic i find a lot of people are very tra traumatized by especially the rose and pruning time and all this sort of stuff so um i did a fair bit of not research, but um, experimenting. So um, the the biggest requirement is is a good open potting mix, mm. and to use slow release. So mm. I'll go through um, some of the things that are not critical, but are uh, the main uh, avenue of having success. Can you explain so, to our listeners, Bob, what open potting mix actually is? Uh, well, it's a potting mix that uh, the water runs basically straight through. Anything that any any potting mix with a lot of organic material will fail. Mm. So the history of, of me finding out um, what and how to do was when we first started um, potting roses up and this is when I was with my father so it's a long time ago we used to go down to the creek and get all the you know lovely potting stuff that we thought was good we put them in tins and about September they all started to die Ooh. so why was that so I was very um, curious of, of why it did that so what happens is that the plant um, um, starts 
growing and sends its roots out while it's cool. And then when the sun hits the tin or the pot, oh yes, it burns all the roots off. Mm. So for two or three years, that failed completely. So uh, eventually we got uh, the rose growers of WA, got someone from California, and that's where we first start growing roses um, in pots in the world, not, in w- not just in WA, in the world. WA were the first people in the world to commercially um, sell their roses in pots. Right. And they were plastic pots and it was sand and sawdust. Yeah. And so the water runs uh, through very quick, doesn't hold the heat. So plastic pots are extremely good for um, um, having containers with your plants in. Okay. So um, terracotta um, look lovely, uh, but they hold the heat, mm. they hold the salts, and they're heavy. And mm. if they fall over, they normally break, mm-hmm. like in the wind. So yep. um, the sizes that I use uh, a lot, and when I you know, grew the tulips and the daffodils and all the different annuals and things, um, the ones, the one that I like is around about the 450 to a half a metre pot. Gives you good depth, good drainage, um, and if you make a mistake, um, it's you know the pot will will get you out of problems. So first of all, if you can get an open mix, do not put any compost or any soil from the the garden or um, animal manures like sheep manure, because that will stop the flow of water, it will heat up and it'll start composting down. So the idea of slow release is um, the plant will only eat what it um, wants and when it releases with the heat, um, the plant grows as well. So it's a very smart um, um, product, slow release. Um, and we only use one. I don't know whether I'm allowed to use the name. Uh, we have tried all the different um, slow releases and we find that um, the Osmocote eight to nine months is superior. The and only difference... Sorry? I, I was... Yes, carry on, Bob. Sorry. So the only difference between commercial Osmocote and the Osmocote that you get in, in, in the local nurseries and that, it's not as strong. So some of the measurements that I will tell the, your uh, listeners, um, I, I will probably give a, a, a probably five grams a bit, a bit more so that um, they've got the strength so that they get results. So when you when you're doing your annuals or or your bulbs, we'll do the bulbs first. Plant your your, your bulbs double the size of the bulb. Do not go any further. I did an experiment this year and I went three times and it didn't work. Yeah. Do you mean so, deeper? Deep. Yes. Okay. So what you do is you you find the level of the, the potting mix that you'll. Um, uh, bulb is going to sit on the the actual um, potting mix, and then uh, before you put your bulbs in, that's when you put um, 
your Osma code is. Now, they must listen to this very closely. The, the size of the pot that I use for measuring, uh, and it's, it's easy for the general public, you find out how many um, 200 mil pots go into your pot, whether it's a small pot, a big pot or whatever. And so you, if, it's, uh, if it's five um, 200 mil pots, you put, um, uh, what's that, five uh, is about 125 grams of osmocate or mm. slow release. Which is quite a lot, isn't it? Because you, if you get a small tub, that's about 500 grams. So it's about a quarter of a yeah. tub. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Okay. But that's going so, to last eight to nine months. So it's a, an investment. Well, it can last longer because most of the time when, once the actual um, bulb has finished flowering, it's normally put in a cool place. So it doesn't release. Right, okay. And I've found that a lot of my bulbs and plants um, I don't feed for probably 18 months later. So it, it's a good product. Mm, it okay. costs a bit more than some of the others, but it, it's worth yeah. using. So um, make sure <laughs> that it's evenly over the potting mix in the pot and you put your bulb straight on the osmocote. Okay. Straight on the top, and people probably be horrified. Um, and then you fill it up to um, the the uh, distance that you need to um, fill your pot. So it's normally to the top of the pot, and because the actual potting mix will shrink, so it leaves a little lip on top, so that when you water it. It doesn't run over the pot. Mm. Is so it that easy? That's, that's easy. Yeah, that easy. And so do you put all, annuals in with that as well? Uh, we yeah, the annuals. Um, well, only the depth of the actual um, um, annual when you get it in those little um, square little pots. Yeah. Um, you own, you put it at that depth. Do not allow it to have to chase the food because it will go under stress. Okay. And it's why you sit it on top is that if you make a mistake, you don't kill the, the either bulb or the actual seedling. So you may, for seedlings, you'll need to raise the, your potting mix and then put your uh, slow release on and make sure that when you do... Um, um, plant your annual that it's touching the osmocote. Okay. So when it touches the osmocote, it once the the temperature's right, it will it'll it won't go into stress, and that's what happens with a lot of annuals. They go into stress, or people forget to liquid fertilise until they get to the food, and a lot of people put. Um, top dressing on on um, annuals and bulbs. If you make a mistake, it's normally a, a big mistake and they die. So if it's underneath, it won't burn, um, and they everything goes down into the pot, 
So you, it's basically Phil Group. And we we did get a, a big award for this through the um, Osnacate people. We got the most innovative uh, people, person or nursery in the world. Or wow. Using, um, Osnacate. Well, certainly those displays at the entrance to your cafe years ago were just outstanding, Bob. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So tulips, tulips are very easy to grow in the West. They grow as good as they grow anywhere else in the world. And if it, we used to put 10,000 in pots each year. for wow. Yeah. So um, we, if you, you, if you get involved, they need to be um, dipped or they need to be immersed in um, some... Um, um, Bob, would you mind holding on for a moment, please? And we'll come back straight after the break. Okay. Thank okay, you. Won't be long. Radio. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening, 25 minutes after nine, and we do have Bob Melville online. Are you still there, Bob? I am still Sorry there. to interrupt you, Squire. That's okay. So um, with, with most of your bulbs, um, dipping them in Mangazeb, is what all the um, people throughout Australia do in the commercial world. And you leave them in the, um, the mangazeb, you mix it up with the water, look at the packet and make sure that you, you're putting in the correct amount, and you leave them in there for about 10 minutes. So there is quite a, a bit of disease in the bulbs that you yeah. buy. So you need to dip them in mangazeb, and it's basically um, a, a, a security thing so that you don't get um, uh, problems later on. So um, that's a, a big thing that we learnt as well, that uh, dipping them in and leaving them there for 10 minutes, must be te- around about 10 minutes. So, um, that, And this is for all bulbs, doesn't matter what they are, they need to be immersed so that, um, and then just put them straight into the um, the medium that you're putting them in, and then cover them over. And then all you have to do is let the rain do the the next bit, or when it starts getting warmer, to uh, water them. Other than that, that's all you have to do. And Bob's your uncle. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good I tip. Have, yeah, I was named after my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> And going back to the potting, what potting mix do you use, Bob? Uh, our, the potting mix that we use it has a lot of um, pine bark in it. Mm-hmm. It's originally uh, was all pine bark, composted pine bark, no sand, no nothing. Do you buy by the bag or trailer loads? We no, we buy it by the truck load, mm. like thirty meters, and that's the difficult part for the general public. Yeah, exactly. Actually, this is becoming harder, really, because some of the potting mixes are not Mm. what we're looking for. I was after a a cactus and succulent mix the other day and I actually could not find one that was suitable in a bagged product. So many of us are having to resort to mixing up our own, tweaking it. Well, if if your potting mix isn't open then you're going to have problems. So 
it's probably best if you can get some pine bark, but it's very difficult to, to get. Yeah. I know now that we don't get all pine bark in our potting mix. Mm. Uh, it is lots of other bits and pieces because um, they're, they're not they're not doing the um, the pine poles and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's right. Come from so um, it's very difficult. But the mix that we get is is uh, okay. Uh, breaks down a little bit quicker. And when another thing, when they can leave things like daffodils in there until such time as that the soil or the potting mix has has gone down in the pot. Once it gets to a point where it's composted completely, that's detrimental um, to the the bowl because it'll either rot or it'll get too hot in spring. So, Bob, what's the method after your bulbs have flowered? Do you lift them? Uh, Well, I don't normally uh, throw my um, tulips out Unfortunately, ten thousand mm. of them. Yeah. Yes, because it just when when they're um, making their flower, um, and that's normally September, late or early October. It's too hot, and they don't form very well at all. Not in around the metropolitan area, mm. and so you get very small flowers, short yes. stems, small flowers. Um, so, but. Down south, they say that they, you know, recycle them. But I've tried for years to recycle them. I, I just no, yeah, not viable. Yeah. So what about things like daffodils? Daffodils, yeah, you can leave them in there until such time as that um, soil or the potting mix has has started to go down in the pot. Okay. And that's and that's the problem with most things in pots. Once it composts down. It's, it gets too hot, so it burns the roots and they rot. So people, when, they, when they're repotting, should take most of the soil or the potting mix off and repot it in a good open potting mix. But that's not easy to find a good open potting mix. That's the problem. Yes. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we will continue to, to work on that and see what we can get. So the, the Jarrah sawdust, which we used to use before, was good, but not as good as the pine bark. Yeah. So if people can get um, a hardwood um, with sawdust and they can use um, probably, I suppose, 25% sand and, and 75% of composted sawdust. But this, for the general public, isn't very easy quite difficult yeah. and it's would, going to get worse yes. yeah that's right would you use any perlite in the mix um, you can use perlite I've never had a great success with perlite mm-hmm. uh, I know that originally when it first came out I tried it and tried it um, yeah, it, it's okay they can put anything that will open it up even mm. even um, the sort of river sand is, is better but see river sand's got a lot of clay in it Mm. So what happens with your soil in the pot, it goes into um, like loam sand, um, loam clay type material. 
So when you take a, um, a plant out that's pot-bound and, and all, it's not doing well, you'll find that it's all soggy and, and really yeah, that's right. Yeah. What about charcoal? Mm. Oh, charcoal's good, yeah. It sweetens mm. it all up. Um, okay. I, I know that that won't rot down as quick as uh, some of the material that's been used now. Oh, it might be an opportunity for our listeners to have a, a bit of an experimenting, yes. you know, maybe with the commercial potting mix and adding something to, to get that feel till it yes, feels can, right. If they can get pine bark, it doesn't matter what size, just incorporate that in with the, the potting mix. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's quite easy. And it, if they need to boost, like, if the osmocates or the slow releases isn't working, then that, there are other good products like you can um, liquid feed, mm. and and always do it as the sun goes down. Oh, you know why you, you do that? Why? Because Bob? underneath the leaf is the thing called stomata, and that opens up and takes all the nutrients in. And and is is instant. So when you go to tropical areas, they don't fertilise at all. Mm. The reason being is every night there's a thunderstorm, mm. and in in the air that we breathe today, um, there is nitrogen. So the lightning converts yeah. the nitrogen so that the plants can feed off it. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what goes off or what falls, runs off the leaf, goes into the leaf matter um, down below and composts down. So that's how Mother Nature's done it all the time. You're an inspiration, Bob. Yeah, love listening to you. We must get you in the studio very, very soon. because uh... I love sort of talking about um, what I've learned. Yeah. Uh, and, and get the message across before I die. Yeah, well, it's important to share. Well, just quickly on that note, we were talking about the chilli thrips and they're rampant at the moment. Yeah. What's your take on it and what do your, you do? Your latest, yes. Well, I did I did hear, hear you, Faye, mm. uh, which was correct. Um, we, don't, we don't start watering. I'm, I might get myself into trouble. We don't start watering until around about 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm. So that has a big control. We don't. I don't spray it at all. And isn't that and better I, for the environment? I, I know yes. water is a big issue, but um, it's better for the environment to use water and not insecticides to to manage. Correct. Yes. So um, I'm now sort of helping the Rose Society and and with water breakers, which break the water up, puts it on quick. Uh, in the middle of the day, uh, as you said, they like the heat and it stops their breeding habits. So yeah. um, that's why you, you water in the middle of the day. Yeah. You can have a handheld hose. doesn't take long. No. And, and it's a great idea. And, and most people forget that of all the plants out there, we're inside in air conditioning, we've got water and we can go and have a shower or whatever, but the plant can't. So you've got to look after your plants exactly the same as you look after yourself. Oh, quite right. Yeah. And and 
a lot of common sense has been forgotten. Mm. And and Mother Nature is uh, much smarter than what we are. Yes. Well, thank you for bringing back common sense, Bob. (laughs) Thank you. All right. You've been uh, fabulous listening to you this morning. And, of course, uh, all our listeners can go to our podcast to re-listen to all the wisdom that you've shared with us this morning. Thanks, Bob. Look after yourself. Thanks, Ray and Faye. All right. Bye for now. Keep safe. Bye-bye. And let's head straight out to Mandra. Dee, good morning. Hi, Dee. Hi, Faye and Ray. Um, I have a rhubarb plant and it's in a pot at the moment and it's beautiful and green and it has three or four stems on it and then you go out and you water it and everything's fine and you keep doing that and then about um, two or three days later, those three stems die and turn yellow and then it gets some more stems and it keeps doing that so what is it the shade because i i think a lot of shade. it probably needs a bigger pot or would like to go into the ground d okay because i don't i don't think uh the the root system can support hanging on to all the the stalks and leaves that you've got Oh, okay. So if I put it in the ground, is it best full sun or part shade? Uh, They've got very big leaves. So unless the soil is well prepared, they'd like a little bit of shade at the moment. But autumn, winter, full sun. So probably maybe near a deciduous tree would be ideal in your veggie patch. Hmm. But um, well improved soil, and they'll keep growing through through autumn. You could get bumper crops of rhubarb. Okay, yeah, it's just in a plastic tub at the moment, um, and has been for a while. But I thought it might have been it wasn't getting enough sun because it gets probably about four hours sun in the afternoon, and then the house shadow comes over. I would check your potting mix. And make sure that that's still still open. It's not cloggy. Um, is it too wet? No. Um, it gets water um, probably every second day when the lawns get watered. But if it if it starts to wilt through the day, I'll go out and check on it and mm. and give it a bit of water then. Yeah, I um, think the fact that it that it is wilting might mean that the pot's not big enough or it doesn't have enough moisture. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. They can, they can be pretty hungry. So every second day I've got one in a pot and, and actually I've sat it in water because it really probably should be in a bigger pot. But, yeah, they, they need good drainage. You could feed it uh, and make sure the, the potting mix is good it hasn't sort of worn it out and maybe also that it's not non-wetting so it might need a wetting agent yeah i've now and then i put um power feed on it um i'd check the soil in the pot d yeah oh yeah i I think i will you know uh repot it i have a um, a bigger pot that i've already got um and this time i bought some better Potting mix. Okay. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. 
So good, um, good on you, D. We've got to move on, love. Okay, then. Thank Appreciate. You Thank you so Colin. much. Cheers for that. Bye. Okay, and where are we? All right, we need to take a short break. When we return, we are chatting with Elizabeth and Mark. Oh, and actually, we've got Barbara from Dinella. I haven't forgotten you, love. We will get to you on the other side of this. Okay, you're with Let's Talk Gardening. We're heading straight to, let me have a look here. I'm going to Dianella, actually. Barbara, good morning. Good morning, Faye and Ray. I'll be as quick as I can. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We're running out of time fast. <laughs> I've, got a, um, I've got a feedback to you. Um, I had a narrow garden on a wall that cops full sun and I was desperate to try and find something that would actually survive. So I had some canna lilies and I'd also planted some um, irises at the end. Can't see the irises anymore. Oh. Canna lilies have gone, have gone crazy. It's a variegated variety. I'm not really happy because I'd rather have natives that birds can live in. So I don't know where I'm going to go with that one at the moment. A sister suggested that I go for some... Um, some native trees to put in there and maybe sort of espalier them. So that's one thought. The other thing is I really um, zoned in when you were talking about use-by date. Ah, yes. I'm the one with the use-by date, so I'm really looking at things in the garden that I don't have to replace every year because it's becoming a burden. Mm. So... Um, in the backyard, I have two massive mango trees that are putting out pink shoots everywhere. They really need to be pruned back hard. Um, and I wondered when's the best time to do that. Mm. Uh, usually after they flower and fruit. Cool. So that's very soon. Yes. Winter. Mm. Yep. Well, right. before winter. Okay. All right. Yep. By the end of March then. Yeah. All right, that sounds good. Um, and I'm just not sure what to do with that narrow garden because, as I say, the, the canna lilies are loving it, um, but birds can't have nests in them. So, Barbara, leave it with me. Mm. I, I need to, to think give about this it. some thought. I, yeah. Okay. yeah, leave it with me. Okay. Native plants, uh, narrow garden, so full sun. And bird attracting. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. How narrow? Uh, how narrow is it, Doug? Probably about two foot. Meter. A, a meter wide, is it? <laughs> yeah, about a meter wide. That's, yeah, that's good, isn't it? more generous. Yep, yeah, yeah, I like the sound of that. All right, well, we'll try right. and come up with something for next weekend for you, Barbara. Okay, thank you. Bye. Okay, okay bye. Cheers for that. And let's head to Kingsley. Elizabeth, thanks for waiting. How are you? Very good morning, Ray and Faye. Um, I've been given some camellia plants and my intention is to try and plant them on a west wall. However, there's a limestone retaining wall there. How successful will they be there? Well, Elizabeth, is it a real limestone wall which will leach limestone or is it the constituted limestone which is actually cement? Oh, I think they're blocks, so I would suspect that they're limestone cemented together like a retaining type of a wall, and then there's the um, asbestos fence on the top, well, not the asbestos, the fibro cement fence on the top, so I would suspect that it's r- real limestone that they've cut into blocks. Mm, it's 
you know, when you say camellias, which are acid loving, and mm. you say limestone, which are the opposite, yeah. you could be making hard work for yourself. And being Kingsley and yeah. being on a west wall, getting that afternoon sun, bit, I bit think, much. yeah, I, yeah I, it just doesn't all stack up to me. Oh. I don't think it's a good idea. Okay. Uh, what's the best wall then for the camellias? Uh, uh, it, not an east wall, but a, a um, northern wall, would that be best? Yes, definitely. Morning sun or even um, the the opposite side, so south. Oh, east. okay. So they would love morning sun. Right. Um, and I think they'd be... Pre- Protected more from winds, if it's anything like my place. On on the south side, they get more wind, cold yeah, yeah. winds and strong winds. So, yeah, I think I'd go north. Okay, thanks for your help, ladies. Have You're a wonderful welcome. day. All right. Bye. Bye. Cheers for that. And let's get one more in. We're in Nedlands. Hi, Mark. How's it going? Oh, good, thanks. Um, great talk from Bob. Yes, um, yes. I've got two questions, please. Um, I've got two hugely overgrown uh, Lucas Berman's cordifoliums, which I just let flower and flower this year, and I haven't pruned them back. So when can I prune them back? And I don't mind if next year I sacrifice flowers just to bring okay. them into some sort of um, manageable Control. size. So mm. these, the mm. South African hakea, uh, South African... Pink cushion type flowers? Yeah, yeah, yes. that's what, yeah. The pink one, I've got a pink one and a yellow one. The yellow right. one particularly is huge. Yeah. After flowering is the best time. <laughs> I'm a bit late then, haven't I? Yeah. Well, I'm well, totally finished now. Um, now wouldn't be a bad time to do them. Even though I don't have to wait until the weather cools down even more, just, just get into them now. And can I cut them back hard? Well... Just check the weather temperatures for the next fortnight. Kind of with the nighttime temperatures, it feels like it's time time to prune. I mm. think you know this month is certainly a good time you can start thinking about pruning. So you you might time it with a verge collection uh, if okay. you've got a lot of it. Um, yeah, but I think now now in and, the coming and weeks would be fine. Fairly hard. Or I. Ideally, I would be tip pruning them on a more regular basis than pruning them hard. Okay. Just on that, generally on pruning then, I'll probably be away for most of May, most of June. So I can probably do my pruning for the garden by the end of April. Yes, Yeah. definitely. Yeah. And sorry, just one other quick question. I've got a sweet cheeks apple, a mini apple tree in the garden, but it's in a fairly shady spot. It's got four apples on it, but it probably isn't doing very well. Can I lift it up and where can I put it? It's about a metre and a half high now. It's been yes, in for yes. three years, I think. Do it in wintertime, preferably when it's lost all its leaves or mm. you can encourage it to lose all its leaves. So when it's dormant. And prune it back a bit before I do it? Just tip it back a bit before I do it? Uh, probably after even. Just whatever's okay. easy to, yeah. If you need to prune it back a bit to move it, that's fine. You might also prune the roots as well. Can you give me an idea of what position to put it then? Um, full you know, sun. shady. Full sun. Okay. Yep. Terrific. Okay. Thanks very much for your help. You're welcome. Okay. Cheers for okay. that. 
Okay, now time to do a quick giveaway. $75 gift voucher is up for grab. Compliments of Kerry from Bigger Trees up in Pickering Brook. You must be a Curtin FM member not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Now, I was having a little read on the Bigger Tree Facebook page and Desert Roses uh, have just come in from Darwin and are available in single reds and doubles. Sound absolutely glorious. Also new in, I had a little look, Acacia Standards and Gardenia Varieties, and you'll find Strelitzia Nicolai and Cassia Fistula, Singapore White Frangies, and Advanced Size Morea Paniculatas as mm. well, which we love, love, love. Mm. Uh, plus a great assortment of you know indoor pots. So for big plants and little plants, you need to check out bigotries.com.au. Uh, and you can also find out about the deliveries I was just talking about on their Facebook page as well. And they are open this Monday public holiday between 10 and 2. Okay, here's your question. Which Beatles band member has a rose named after him? So we're talking about Beatles as in the the only Beatles group. Which Beatles band member has a rose named after him? Give Bev a call, 94841927. Okay, go for it. We will be back in a moment. You're with Let's Talk Gardening, Ray and Faye. What are you smiling for? Oh, oh emails, I know, Ray. I know, the <laughs> leaf cutter bee. I was laughing at that picture too, in the, in a laughing with the uh, listener that sent that. And I went out and had a look at some of my plants yesterday and I've got a similar, very similar oh, things really? going on on my rose leaves and that, yeah. Well, I would love to They're know. They're not leaving much leaf behind. No, well... Okay, do you want to go first? Yes, I do. We have a winner uh, for the Bigger Trees voucher, uh, Margarita in Burragoon. And the question was, which Beatles band member has a rose named after him? The answer is Paul McCartney. It's a pink hybrid tea rose with a wonderful old world rose scent. So well done, Margarita. Uh, The voucher will be in the post to you this week. I have a climbing rose that's open white and it's called a McCartney rose. Large, early flowering, like a poached egg. McCartney rose. Okay. Mm. It's a stunner. Anyway, getting back to this, Anne has sent in a gorgeous photo of her Judas tree and it looks like someone's got a hole punch and gone around and taken out all the edges with holes. These perfect circles have been used by a leaf cutter bee. And the leaf cutter bee is a mega Kylie species. Uh, there are also resin bees. And what this one does, it comes in, it, it takes to about a count of five or thereabouts to cut a perfect circle in the edge of a leaf. And it rolls it up, carries it with its legs and either goes into the ground somewhere or goes into a cavity or hole somewhere mm. and makes these little nests with the the curled up leaves and then very busy on that plant yes Mm. and it collects nectar and pollen makes a bee patty reverses back into its hole lays an egg seals it up and then moves on and continues doing that until it reaches about 10 centimeters and if you found that nest after it had all dried up it would look like a, a little piece of stick or something Mm. it's just amazing so a great uh, great thing to have in your garden I love them whenever I see holes like that as in perfect circles 
I smile. Yeah. Well, that certainly makes me smile. <laughs> maybe maybe the mm. listener's not so happy about her plants looking like that. All right. Uh, we're in Thornley. Julie, good morning. Oh, good morning. Uh, I'm just ringing up to, to thank you both for the, um, the voucher that I won the other week. And I bought a lovely frangipani uh, pink pansy. And it's an orchid-like flower. It's really lovely. So oh, beautiful. Is that up in bigger trees? Yes, that's right. Yes. Right, so, another one. <laughs> oh, of course. So you enjoyed your little shop up there. That's great. I did. Yeah, thank you very much. Oh, okay. Well done, we, loved, we love to hear that. Glad that it was put to good use. Yes, I'm looking at it right now. So oh, no, enjoy. Patio, so thank you very much. I'll let you go. Thanks, thank Julie. You. Thank you. Cheers. Nice to hear that feedback. It surely is. And, yes, plants bring us so much joy, don't they? Yes, and, they do. Uh, challenges as well. Cheryl has sent us in an email and she says, thank you and keep up the great show. She would like to know what this plant is. It's growing in an office and the person working there says she's never seen the green pod appear on it before. And this looks like an olive and it is laden with fruit. So sometimes they pop up as weeds. Yeah, but that's an office plant, isn't it? Well, is it growing... In a garden in no, the office? No, I think I don't. I know that's what I'm. It looks like it's in an indoor pot. Well, a lot of people try and well, they put plants indoors, but plants generally don't grow indoors as such. They grow out in the open in soil yeah, or yeah. in trees or whatever. So if it's been put into an office mm. and it's doing very well, I'd be surprised because they like sun and they really like airflow. Mm. But anyway, it, it's you, an olive. You, it's an olive plant. Mm. And Jeannie, who uh, called in one hour competition this morning, has sent us in a sad-looking blueberry bush photo. Very sad. It's it's got burnt, but it's still got some green leaves. They're very resilient. They can dry out, but they do come back. I would just tip prune it. I would give it a, a drink of seaweed or fish emulsion. Make sure that the soil is wetting. Otherwise, add a wetting agent and as it grows, pot it onto the next size pot. But the, the dead leaves will fall off or you could encourage them just by running your hands along the stems. Yeah. It'll come back. Jeannie, don't don't worry at all. We're all bouncing back with the, the cooler nights. <laughs> We're and all the coming rain. back. <laughs> <laughs> we are. It's been a hard day's night, but yeah. we're we're resilient. And this is from Carla, and she says, thank you for your awesome gardening info show. I'm a faithful listener and listen to all the podcasts over and over. (laughs) She wanted to share what she thinks important, and she'd bought a philodendron just over a year ago. It wasn't growing too well, so she pulled it apart to check the roots, and she found a little netted bag. Yeah, this had my antenna up. Yes, I've seen it. Before I've not. This is um, scary, huh? And yes, they. It's like a plug, and yeah, sometimes yeah. the roots break through, and mm. they just go is beyond. It, that. Is it meant to dissolve? Perhaps I don't know that it's meant to dissolve, okay. but I have had some plants that I've pulled apart later, and and they just haven't done well with the roots growing outside of the netted pot. So in the in the end, she actually pulled away the netted pot to to give it another chance and yes i i don't know how bad they are but some plants just don't seem to be over 
able to overcome those knitted pots. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, you know what? I think our work is done. I know. Do you want to quickly just give out your um, chicken recipe again? <laughs> so More important my, than gardening. My favourites, it's easy. I use chicken thigh fillets, which yeah. I buy in bulk. I cut them up to um, decent-sized chunks. I sprinkle them with curry powder, and my sister used Malay curry powder. That's how this recipe started. So I sprinkle them with the curry powder, add some soy sauce sprinkled over it, let that just sit, stir it around, and then while you are cutting up your veggies, a head of broccoli and as many mushrooms as you want, you fry the chicken. Mm -hmm. When that's browned, you throw in the broccoli and the mushrooms, pour over a can of coconut milk and serve over rice. Good grief. Dead easy. Okay, that might be dinner tonight. <laughs> okay, look, thanking everyone, Bev Daring and John Glidden. Morning went fast. We did have a long chat with Bob Melville, but I'm sure everyone would agree the information was invaluable. And also a fabulous chat with Dr. Bob Longmore in Nana, uh, always uh, one of our most enthusiastic regular guests on the program. And my gardenism for the morning is, and the sun took a step back. The leaves lulled themselves to sleep and autumn was awakened. George Minoldi is next with the classic 60s and then it's Brendan T with Born in Boots. Look, enjoy this long weekend, everyone, and take care of yourself. Happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.